0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. How do you become filled with the Holy Spirit? How do you become filled with the Spirit? That's a big question, and it's one that I think feels out of reach a little bit for your average, everyday Christian, which at the end of the day is all of us. Certainly, that's how chocolate milk has made me feel. What does chocolate milk have to do with being filled by the Spirit? I'm so glad you asked. Uh, I remember I was in college, and at our campus ministry, one day we were on this topic of what it meant to be filled with the Spirit. And the teacher that day wanted to offer an illustration for what it looks like for us to be filled with the Spirit. And so he took a, a glass of regular old two percent milk, along with his you know Hershey's uh, chocolate sauce or whatever, poured the sauce into the milk, and then just let it sit there for a moment. He said, "This is what most Christians are like. You've been filled with the Spirit." But then the spirit is just sitting there at the bottom of the glass. Then he took a spoon and stirred it up. And then the chocolate, of course, filled the milk and became it all, made all of it into chocolate milk. And he said, this is what we need to be like. We need to stir it up so that we're filled with the spirit. So you don't just have the, the spirit sitting there, but instead it is suffusing your whole being, your whole soul and body. Now, I remember that analogy still, so obviously it was effective just from a teaching perspective. Like, okay, that worked. And there is something to be said for this, because to be uh, filled with the Spirit, that analogy does suggest that kind of ongoing, continual action. It's not just a a one-and-done sort of thing. Yes, you have been filled with the Spirit, but you continue to walk by the Spirit. You live by the Spirit. But I think that it misses something vital, which is that the Holy Spirit is not just some substance, that you're filled with, that then sits down and, you know, pools in the bottom of your toes until you shake yourself up and get the Spirit moving all over the place. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's the dynamic activity of God living within you. If anything, we don't need to stir up the Spirit. The Spirit needs to stir us up. Amen? Amen. And so for us to be filled by the Spirit, I don't want us to think of the Spirit just as some substance that's laying there that you and I need to do something in order to make it active. But instead, the Holy Spirit dwells within you already. By virtue of your baptism, you're being joined to Christ, trusting in Him. You have that living and active presence of the resurrected Christ living within you. So then, how do we become and continue to live Filled with the Spirit. Here's the other place where our chocolate milk teacher went a little bit awry, I think. Because he would point to all sorts of of, of really kind of extraordinary and complicated ways that we need to be filled with the Spirit. I remember one of the things that he said was that you need to uh, uh, throw off the the throne of self and instead put the Holy Spirit on that throne. And I thought, how do I even do that? And where is the throne of self? Where is it hiding in me? Instead, St. Paul gives us some very... Simple, straightforward habits by which you and I continue to be sustained by the Spirit. And I want to invite you to to pull out your worship folder here. We're going to be walking through really just the last three or four verses, I believe it is, of our epistle reading from Ephesians 5. And my hope is that as we look at these sustaining, Spirit-filled habits that St. Paul sets out in this letter to the Ephesians, that you'll be encouraged... That it's being filled by the Spirit, that's not just some special, rarefied place for the spiritual all-stars. But it's who you are because you belong to Christ and have been anointed by His Spirit. So let's take a look at this. Ephesians 5, start picking up again with verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Isn't that interesting, the connection? He says, We want to be under the influence of the Spirit, you might say, rather than spirits, okay? Um, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. This is the first simple spirit filled habit. Singing. Singing. Martin Luther famously said that next to the word of God, music deserves the highest praise. And why did he say that? He goes on, he says, She, Dame Music, I guess, is mistress and governess of the human emotions, which as masters often overwhelm men. For whether you wish to comfort the sad, to terrify the happy, to encourage the despairing, to humble the proud, to calm the passionate, or to appease those full of hate, what more effective means than music could you find? And, you know, I think too often we think of music as just some nice window dressing that's added to the worship service. I know Connie doesn't think this way, but others of us might be prone sometimes to think that music is nice, I'm glad that we can have music, but it's just an an optional add-on to the the life of the church and to the Christian faith. But nothing could be further from the truth. The first thing that Paul identifies when he talks about what it means for us to live as filled by the Spirit is singing. is music. It is essential to the life of faith. And I find it fascinating that here he sets it out really in two different dimensions, the way that this music functions. So in the first dimension, he says there's kind of this horizontal. You notice how he put this? He said addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So there's an aspect that when we are singing, we are singing to each other. This is the great value of what we call congregational singing. And it's why while we'll have solos and we'll have the special music, and that also exalts us, voices raised to you we offer, there is no replacing congregational singing. It's why the church for hundreds of years has been committed to instruments like the piano and the organ it's not because hey when we go home at the end of the day we're all rocking out to organ music per se if some of you if that's your jam more power to you but the fact of the matter is that the organ the piano these are instruments that do what they facilitate congregational singing they cover it up when some of us are not the best singers in the world it doesn't matter it gives helps to to give you that confidence that yeah I can make a joyful noise to the Lord with this because I am joined together with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And you know what? We are addressing each other as we sing. And not only that, there's that horizontal dimension, Paul says, but also the vertical dimension. As he goes on to say, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart or in your heart. So it's not just us addressing each other, but also giving praise to God lifting up those voices raised to the triune god praising him exalting him honoring him for all that he has done in doing that we are that holy spirit continues to to be exercised within you and me living as spirit-filled people i wonder how often you thought of it that way you know for some of you singing is just something that you enjoy doing maybe you feel like well i'm not all that good at it but when nobody's around that's what i'd like to be doing is to be singing I want to tell you, and and underscore this for you, that that is a way in which you are being filled by the Spirit. And what a great gift that God would give us music to function in this way. Because I have to tell you, I've seen it time and time again over the years as a pastor. When so many other things fail in our lives, music continues to lift our spirits, continues to be that, that incubator of faith. And I think of, of Connie's wonderful late mother-in-law, Pat Dankey. And Pat was, uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that she was a great singer. She was a good singer, but that wasn't the point. She loved singing. And in the latter months, and years of her life, as um, in many ways, past faculties were failing her, I knew without a doubt that every time when I would go to see her, I would start singing some hymn, and right away, even if she didn't know the words, she would at least hum along. And Connie was telling me earlier that uh, uh, Connie was even able to use that in her later days to help with everyday um, kind of the chores or the errands, the things they had to do, because sometimes she would need to lift Pat up. And even though they would have like a lift, you still got to cooperate somewhere. Beth, you know what I'm talking about. You still have to cooperate to get them up. And so (laughs) Connie would start singing, of course. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. And Pat would go along, start singing as well. And what do you know if she didn't start standing up? What a gift. That music is a way that you and I are filled with the Spirit. But Paul goes on from there. And he has this second simple spirit filled habit, and that is thanking. Thanking. He says, Give thanks always. And for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that sounds simple enough, and it is. But i got to tell you, this is one of those sneaky, scary verses in the Bible. And what I mean by that is Paul says, give thanks always and for everything. And you want to stop him and say, <laughs> okay, Paul, I know you're exaggerating here, hyperbole. That's cool, but when you say always and for everything, you mean sometimes and for most things, right? I mean, surely you don't mean always and for everything. You mean give thanks, you know, regularly, occasionally, at meals, some other times. And Paul would say, eh, 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 eh. no, I mean always. Scripture is very consistent on this score. I'll give you just a few uh, examples. Psalm 34, verse 1 says, "I will bless the Lord at all times." His praise shall continually be in my mouth. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances. All circumstances. And then you have that patron saint of persistent thanks, Job, who famously said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Listen, this is a hard word in some ways. Give thanks always and for everything. But when we think about what it means for us to be filled with the Spirit, it has to start not only with singing, but with thanksgiving. Because we recognize that all of life, in all of its complicated complexity, and all of those mixed blessings, and all of those times where all we can do is give thanks through gritted teeth, it's still a gift. It's still a gift. And I think of another one of our sainted members, Helen Cederholm. And Helen did not have an easy life. You know, she lived to be 100 years old. And people think, you live to be 100 years old, what a blessing, what a gift, that would be incredible. And in many ways it was, but you know what that also meant? It meant that she saw the loss of, well, first of all, she saw the loss of her father when she was a 10-year-old girl, and then had to work herself through the Great Depression to help her and her mom get by. She would see the death of her daughter, and then the death of friend after friend after friend. Yeah, to live to be 100 years old was great, but also it was really, really hard. But despite all of those difficulties, every time when I went to visit Helen, she only ever had one question for me. And the question that she always had for me was this, Pastor, who will help me count all these blessings? Who will help me count all these blessings? She had this attitude of gratitude to the very depth of her being. She understood what Paul meant when he said, Give thanks always and in everything. She realized that all is ultimately a gift. What a wonderful, spirit filled woman. And that's for all of us to live that way. And we do. We do by the power of the Spirit living within us. I mean, don't we say it every week in the liturgy? It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places. Do what? Give thanks. That's right. That's what we do when we gather together as the people of God. That's what we do when we go out into our everyday lives, even when it is through gritted teeth. Giving thanks to God and so living filled by his spirit. One last simple spirit-filled habit that Paul makes mention of here. And it's a little bit unexpected. I'm not going to lie to you. He goes on in verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting to one another. Now, if we were doing the old family feud thing, right, where we took our survey of all of the ways that you could be filled with the Spirit, show of hands, how many of you have submitting up at the top of that list, right? I don't think so. I mean, that that doesn't sound, it it doesn't sound very Spirit-filled. It sounds very kind of mechanical and organizational, submitting to one another. Really, Paul? That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit? But the key is the latter half of that verse. Out of reverence for Christ. Out of reverence for Christ. Because this submission flows from and is oriented toward Jesus. It flows from and is oriented toward Jesus. First of all, it flows from Jesus. Because Jesus himself was all about submission. Think about this. In the earliest days, in that one uh, moment we have recorded for us in the scriptures, when he's 12 years old, and goes to the temple with his family and then, you know, wanders off for a while. It's the whole home alone thing. Three days later they realize, oh my goodness, where is Jesus, right? They go back, they find him. Where have you been? He gave him a heart attack. He says, didn't you know I need to be, needed to be in my father's house? And they're like, we don't know what that means, but please don't ever do that to us again, right? But then what did Jesus do? He submitted to his mother and to his, his foster father, Joseph. And Scripture also says that Jesus ultimately submitted in the most profound way to the Heavenly Father. And you think of that moment in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus is wrestling, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup from me, the the cup of suffering and death. But then he says, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus submitted to the Father. He lived a life of submission, So for us to live a life of submission out of reverence for Christ means that we are following in the footsteps of our submitting Savior. And not only does this submission flow from Jesus, it's also oriented toward Jesus. Because remember who we are. It says, submit to one another. Who are we as the church? We are the body of Christ. Y'all sitting here, see. You are the spirit-filled body of Christ. So that when you acknowledge in one another as fellow believers, when you look at each other and you see you are Jesus here present with me, C.S. Lewis says that after the sacrament itself, there is no greater, holier gift presented before your eyes than your neighbor. Sitting next to you in the pew right now, see. Fellow members of the body of Christ. When we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, we are submitting to the Spirit of Jesus in each other. In humility, acknowledging one another as as those who have been claimed and sanctified by God Almighty. It is a spirit-filled, glorious practice. And what does does that actually look like in the life of the church? Let me just give you one example. I remember this from my uh, first parish that I served out in California. And it was a strong military area a lot of our our members were folks who were connected with the military and the president of our congregation at that time was a guy a guy by the name of chip actually different chip but uh chip was an incredible man of god he was a uh, brigadier general he was a a one-star general in the air force he had a phd from harvard smart guy high-ranking guy and uh i was talking with him one day just joking with him a little bit but also serious i was like How come I don't ever see other, uh, you know, because we've got so many military guys coming into church. How come I don't see them all saluting you when they come into church? Because every single one of them is lower than a general, right? Why aren't they saluting you when they come to the communion rail, right? And I meant it a little bit as a joke, but he got very serious. And he said, Pastor, don't you understand? There are no ranks in the body of Christ. There are no ranks in the body of Christ. He was just as willing and eager to submit to the lowly private who happened to be part of the body of Christ as he was to anyone else. And that's how we live. In humility, acknowledging and serving one another as spirit-filled people who belong to Jesus. And in so doing, the spirit is stirred up within us. Listen, this is not some extraordinary way to live as a real first-class spiritual all-star. But instead, it's humdrum, simple stuff. It means singing, thanking, and submitting. And I started with chocolate milk. I want to end with housekeeping to give you a different way of thinking about how we live as those spirit-filled Christians. There was a study done a number of years back of hotel maids and they were asked how much they exercise, okay? And uh, two-thirds of them said that they rarely exercise, and the other third said that they never exercise. Now, think of what it takes to be a hotel maid. What does your life look like? Every day, it means that you're spending 20 and 30 minutes in, in a room. You're getting up, you're picking things up, up and down. You go, you're working, you're struggling, you're doing all these things. And uh, the, the researchers said to them, said to these maids, now, don't you realize you're exercising all the time and they actually gave them some some calorie numbers for all the work that they were doing when you scrub a toilet it's 20 calories when you do this when you're vacuuming it's 50 calories and on and on it goes well so then a a few weeks later i think a month later they go back to the same group of maids, and they find out on average they had lost two pounds and say well how, how could that possibly be and as they suggest in the findings it's because once they realized that they had already been exercising all the time they you know they were more intentional about it but now they also had held their heads up a little bit higher i'm not just a maid i am an exercise all star see now here's why i mentioned this because for all of us we are spirit filled members of the body of christ And I want you to know that in the depth of your being and not think that that's just reserved for for pastors, for church workers, for missionaries. They're the really spirit-filled ones, and, and I'm the one who's just got the chocolate gathering at the bottom of the glass. No, you are constantly exercising the power of the Holy Spirit at work within you. Don't forget that. Don't miss that. Because in the midst of our everyday lives, the Lord is using you and me in order to speak life to others, in order to give life to others as his life-giving, spirit-filled people. Believe it and live it. Amen. And may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand to confess our faith in the words of the Apostles Green.